Well, good morning, everyone. This is JB with Not By Works Ministries. It is a Wednesday morning, January the 18th, and we have a really power-packed show for you uh, today as my good friend and colleague Randy joins us to kind of give us his commentary and insights on this uh, really crazy world in which we live. And it has been uh, just an onslaught of news and developments since last Wednesday when we were last uh, together. So I'll bring him on here in just a moment. I know you'll want to stand by and and, and look forward to hearing all that he has to say. And by the way, we uh, we meet with Randy once a week. It's uh, kind of varies week to week what day it is, depending on my schedule and his schedule. Uh, we started out trying to meet every Friday for this podcast, but uh, lately it's been midweek. And that's a good thing because uh, typically if we wait till the end of the week, we've already missed several key news items that we want to make you aware of. So, uh, But I'm calling uh, today's podcast Out of Darkness and Into Light, Called Out of Darkness Into Light. And that comes from 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. And uh, before we get to that passage, let me remind you that since it is Wednesday, we are live streaming tonight, uh, our normal midweek service. Uh, so I encourage you to tune in tonight at 6 o'clock Mountain Time. Just go to notbyworks.org and click on the highlight carousel there. The first banner is our live stream reminder, or you can click live stream in the menu on the left. But uh, six o'clock mountain time, we're going to be continuing our study of uh, the greatness of God. And so I hope you'll tune in uh, for that tonight. I want to remind you as well to uh, like us on uh, Facebook and kind of follow us on some of the other different social media platforms. We need to get the message out the message of the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message in troubling times like this. So we need your help doing that. Um, we are so grateful to be uh, have these types of outlets in this technological age, and what Satan uses for evil, we want to use for good to get the message out. So uh, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, those types of places. Um, we are excited about two huge events coming up over the next one to two months. So next month in February, I'll be in Claremont, Florida, just uh, west of Orlando at Liberty Baptist Church doing a weekend conference called uh, What Is This World Coming To? And uh, that'll be I'll be speaking seven times there at that conference. You can uh, register for that. It's free. Uh, and we are going to live stream that as well. We'll have live stream details as we get closer to the event. But that's February 18th and 19th, uh, Saturday and Sunday, February 18th and 19th in uh, Central Florida. So you can check that out at our events page at notbyworks.org uh, and uh, or check click on the banner there on the uh, highlight carousel. And then we're pleased to announce that I've been invited uh, to join the Orlando uh, Prophecy uh, Conference. Uh, that's uh, the one, the big one with uh, Prophecy Watchers, uh, the Orlando Summit. And that's March the 2nd through the 5th. 15 great speakers, um, I'll be joined by L.A. Marzulli, Mondo Gonzalez, Billy Crone, Tom Hughes, Brandon Holthouse will be there, Jeff Kinley, Nathan Jones from Lamb and Lion Ministries, Bill Salas, Don Perkins, and more. And I'll be speaking twice at that uh, conference, and uh, that one also is live-streamed. You do have to register for it. I think there's a cost as well. But if you go to our website 
and uh, click on events and then click on the Orlando Prophecy Summit, March 2nd through the 5th. Uh, you can learn more about that, but just truly honored uh, to be a part of that conference uh, and can't wait to be there and kind of uh, dialogue with some of those uh, folks that I myself have followed for years and look up to and grateful for this open door of opportunity that uh, Prophecy Watchers has has given us. So uh, those are some of the upcoming events. So always check out our website, notbyworks.org, and you can keep in touch with what's um, going on there. And then again, don't forget to live stream uh, tonight at six o'clock uh, as I'll be teaching on the greatness of God. That's six o'clock mountain time. Uh, don't forget about our Spirit of the Antichrist books. I mention that every time because it's got such a, a, a very important, critical, timely message. We want to make sure that we get those in the hands of as many people as possible. So check out spiritoftheantichrist.org, spiritoftheantichrist.org. Okay, Peter. Uh, Peter, we know, uh, was one of the inner three disciples that walked and talked with Christ, and he wrote the two epistles uh, that bear his name. And, uh, you know, when he wrote, he was writing in 64 AD, uh, not uh, too long before he was martyred, and he sent the letter, uh, this letter of First Peter, his first epistle in God's Word, uh, to believers that were living in the northern regions of the Roman province of Asia Minor. That's what we uh, consider modern Western Turkey. And these were mainly Gentiles, but also some Jews. You look at uh, several internal clues in chapters 1 and 2, really throughout the, the letter, and there's references to the Gentile nature of these uh, recipients. And again, uh, he's writing it from Rome. In uh, chapter 5, verse 13, Peter makes a reference to uh, Babylon, and he, he says, uh, she who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you, and so does Mark, my son. And uh, Babylon there, in that context, is a coded reference to Rome, uh, the historical city of Babylon, uh, you know, really by the time of Peter's day, it really had very little population. There's no evidence that there was a Christian population there. But the term Babylon is used many times as a metaphor or again, kind of a coded term to refer, refer to any evil city or any place that is um, marked by paganism. Now, in the end times, as we know, the literal city of Babylon will be uh, resurrected, and, and the Antichrist is going to hail from there and rule from there. But there are also um, you know, more metaphorical references to Babylon in the end times. You're going to have a uh, financial Babylonian center, if you will, which I believe if the Lord comes back in our day, which I believe is very likely, will be New York City. There's also going to be a religious headquarters or a religious Babylon, you might say, and that's going to be in Rome. But there will be a geographic political headquarters, which I believe will be in the literal rebuilt Babylon, and the book of Revelation talks about this. But Peter is in Rome. Persecution is mounting. It's 64 AD. Uh, the Roman military commander Pliny is uh, increasing his persecution of Christians in this mid-60s uh, decade there in the first century. Pliny, by the way, is uh, more well-known, not so much as a military commander, uh, which he was, but as the uh, author of Naturalis Historia, that's Latin for natural history, which was an encyclopedia. And it was a very major work that became the model for all of our encyclopedias uh, to this day. But uh, as persecution is intensifying, Peter writes his book, which is essentially an eschatological book. You know, people think of Revelation or sometimes First Thessalonians or, you know, Jesus teaching in the Olivet Discourse that's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. 
when they think of eschatology, but don't don't forget about First Peter. Uh, Peter is writing to a group of believers to remind them how to handle suffering. Uh, in fact, the word suffering and the verb suffer occur 15 times in this short little uh, letter of 105 verses. Uh, that's a key theme. And he's also he talks a lot about glory, which th that term occurs 10 times in First Peter as he's reminding uh, God's people of the glory to come when Christ returns. And so, uh, you know, as he walks through this uh, letter, there's really uh, no other book uh, in the New Testament besides Hebrews and Revelation that depends more heavily on the Old Testament. Peter is connecting the dots about God's kingdom promise and the coming end times uh, that the Old Testament prophets spoke so much about and the first century audience. And so uh, it's, it's, it's an incredible letter, and it reminds us of uh, how we are to face persecution by walking by faith and standing firm. Uh, the persecution that Peter's audience, these uh, Gentile, mostly Gentile, there were some Jewish believers that Peter was writing to, but mostly Gentiles there in uh, Northern Asia Minor, the, what, the persecution that they were facing was not just formal persecution from, you know, official Rome, but it was also just, uh, you know, these uh, social ostracism, these uh, persecution from neighbors and and the culture itself, um, pressure from pagans uh, who didn't like the fact that Christians who had been around now for 30 years by the time Peter is writing uh, were having such an influence. And so uh, I love what the, the great uh, G. Campbell Morgan, uh, <clears throat> great man of God from the 20th century, uh, he wrote, Quote, 1 Peter stresses life triumphant in conduct, life triumphant in character, and life triumphant in uh, conflict. And so uh, it's a great uh, book that talks about how to handle suffering. And the key verse that I want us to look at before we bring on Randy is from chapter 2 and verse 9. Listen carefully to what Peter writes. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And you know what? Uh, there is not a darker time that I can think of in, 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 uh, as we get closer and closer to the return of Christ than these great last days of deception where the Luciferian conspiracy is kicked into high gear. We're seeing the one world system being rolled out right before our very eyes. We're seeing freedoms, especially here in America, that we held dear, stripped away uh, very rapidly. And we see the stage being set for the return of Christ. It is becoming a darker and darker world. And that's not being pessimistic or fear-mongering. That's simply looking at what the Scripture says, that evil men and imposters will get worse and worse, uh, and, and looking at the world around us. You know, as I often say, depravity gets worse with time, not better. And only when Christ comes back at the end of the tribulation, at the Battle of Armageddon, to usher in the one world uh, kingdom of peace, righteousness, and justice, will things get better. Uh, we're not going to see a global revival prior to the return of Christ. We're going to see a, a you know global slide into utter tyranny and a complete satanic paganism. And that's what's happening. So, you know, as I think about being in the darkness and how we are supposed to, as Peter said, uh, walk in the marvelous light of our Lord, we, we want to remember 
that repeated teaching of Scripture. There's a theme that runs through the Old and New Testament about how God's people are supposed to be the light. For example, Isaiah the prophet in that famous chapter 9, the Messianic uh, section there, he talks about how the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And indeed, Jesus Christ, the light of the world, came 2,000 years ago, born of a virgin, lived a perfect, holy, sinless life, proclaimed that the kingdom was coming, but was crucified, uh, crowned with thorns, laid in an empty, uh, in a borrowed tomb, and then uh, rose again the third day, defeating death, hell, and the grave. And now, uh, all of God's people wait expectantly, eagerly looking for the return of our Lord that is imminent, the rapture of the church when we will meet the Lord in the air. The rapture of the church will be followed by all of God's end times plan in rapid succession, beginning with the unveiling of the Antichrist, the signing of the peace treaty, the wrath of God being poured out on the earth through the seal, trumpet, and bold judgments for that seven-year period that Daniel pro prophesied about, the 70th week of Daniel followed by uh, the abomination of desolation at the midpoint when the Antichrist, indwelt by Satan, sets himself up as God and demands that the entire world worship him, intensifying persecution, bloodshed, and death, followed by the Battle of Armageddon at the end of the tribulation when the church returns triumphant with the King of Kings riding on white horses to establish the long-awaited kingdom that we just talked about. And then, of course, the messianic reign of Christ begins with the thousand-year millennial phase of the kingdom on the old heaven and the old earth, and then ultimately this sin-stricken world and all of creation is destroyed and recreated in sinless perfection as the Bible thus comes full circle from a pre-fall Edenic state in the garden back to a recreated sinless uh, eternity. And so God's plan of the ages is, is unfolding before our eyes. Uh, God's people have uh, been looking for uh, that day when, the, when light will prevail rather than being a light in a dark world. It will be a, a world that is uh, shining brightly with with the glory of God and for uh, the glory of God. Uh, you know, Zacharias, uh, John the Baptist's father, uh, had this to say in, in Luke chapter 1. You remember upon hearing of uh, the birth of uh, John the Baptist, he said in a verse, uh, let me see if I can find the verse here. He said in verse 79, uh, that this Messiah uh, ultimately would give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And he's quoting Isaiah there, looking back at uh, Isaiah. Jesus began his uh, ministry, um, and uh, you know, and Matthew tells us that he did so to fulfill the words of the prophet Isaiah, Matthew chapter four, in which he says that the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. So uh, we are called out of darkness and into uh, his light. And uh, uh, Paul, as we know, met the Lord Jesus himself on the road to Damascus, Saul at the time, who later became Paul, and he was saved as he was on his way to murder Christians, Acts chapter 9. Later, uh, he repeats his testimony, he repeats it a couple of times, but in Acts chapter 26, uh, he repeats the story and he says, uh, when he heard the word of the Lord, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And then listen to this. Jesus told Paul, but rise and stand on your feet, 
For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people, as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you, listen, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. So, you know, this is what, uh, you know, any one of God's children today who believe the Bible, who trusted in Christ and Him alone for salvation, should be trying to do. We should, first of all, remember that we've been called out of darkness into God's marvelous light, but we should also be proclaiming that light uh, to a dark, lost uh, world. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 4 that Satan, our enemy, is blinding men's hearts to the gospel. And he says, uh, it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness and who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. And those are, you know, things that Peter talks about, this coming glory and the fact that we are to represent God's glory in this day. In Ephesians 5, which I've talked about often on this program, uh, Paul reminds us, we were once in darkness, but now we are light in the world. We should walk as children of the light. Uh, in First Thess 5, he says, you brethren are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of the light, not sons of the day. I'm sorry, sons of the light and sons of the day, not sons of the night or of the darkness. So uh, called out of darkness into light. And one of the ways we try to do that here on uh, at Not By Works Ministries, first of all, is by proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message. And as you listen to our podcast today, if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation, boy, let me urge you that today is the day of salvation. Things are getting darker and darker, and you need to come to the light. You need to trust in Jesus, the only one who can forgive sin and give you the, etern the gift of eternal life. Uh, and then, uh, you know, as things do get darker, we want to wake up believers. We want to remind people of really what's going on. And so I'm so delighted to have uh, Randy as a great friend and a great resource. He's an expert in all kinds of, of things. He's a certified private investigator and just uh, just a, I'm so glad God allowed our paths to cross uh, some time ago. But Randy, welcome to the program today. I tell you what, uh, we could spend hours today talking about all that's going on with the meeting in Davos, Switzerland of the World Economic Forum and all kinds of news coming out of that, Russia, Ukraine, more vaccine news. It's a, it's a dark world, isn't it? Well, I can see it's never been darker. Unfortunately, the more I research, the more I find is basically we have caused our own problems. Hmm. And as we go through everything today, I, that'll be laid out for you and highlighted. So you'll see that the mess we're going into is something we created, and that's very disturbing. We didn't even see it coming, but it's here now. Um, we're going to start out with the easy stuff first. Russia has um, increased their mobilization of troops from 500,000 to 1.5 million. They now have 700,000 troops on the Ukraine border, up from 520,000 last week. Uh, General Gerasimov is now with General Soyvigan in the Ukraine theater. He's third in command under Putin, and he has discussed his plans with Putin and been given the go-ahead to commence as soon as they're ready. The uh, Ukraine in the south still is muddy, gucky, nasty. So we're still looking at a couple weeks probably 
but the northern part of Ukraine is frozen solid. So they could very well begin maneuvers at any time. It just kind of depends on the situation and what happens. But for a mobilization to increase by three times and the troops on the ground increase by a hundred and some thousand, you have to believe that they are ready to move. So that's for right now, that's the important stuff on Russia. The biggest problem and the biggest thing coming up is going to be the financial situation, which basically starts out with the debt ceiling for the United States having to be met tomorrow and addressed. Unfortunately, Congress continues to fight back and forth. Half of them want to increase the debt ceiling. Half of them don't want to. The problem with the debt ceiling, if we reach the debt ceiling, we can borrow no more money. The um, people with their social security increases probably will not get the increases next month. And if things get really dire, then they will start cutting Medicare, Medicaid. They will start laying off federal employees. Now, Ms. Yellen, our Secretary of the Treasury, says she can juggle the funds for a couple more months. But if the debt ceiling is not addressed by that time, then we're looking at going into default. Uh, we've never gone into default. If we go into default, uh, that will have ramifications all over the world. So let's hope we don't go there. Yeah, let me let me interject there. I mean, the they I don't I don't think we probably will go into default, at least not officially. But the fact of the matter is we we've already collapsed de facto uh, years ago. We were living on borrowed time or on life support, whatever metaphor you want to use it economically. And my view is that the Luciferians that are really pulling the strings here are just waiting for the right opportunity to instigate the financial collapse, which will probably follow quite quickly with the, some of the other things that we've talked about in terms of bringing down America, possibly a military invasion, some type of EMP. Uh, they, they've got to do something to cause America to be crippled so that we will then, you know, nationally, politically, our leaders, that is, cry out to the world, new world order to come rescue us and save us, and we'll sign on to that one world system. But what's relevant about what you're talking about here, this debt ceiling, is that whenever they talk about this, it just gets us closer and closer to that moment. It's just putting that in the the, the American consciousness to remind us that we are in dire straits economically. You know, we wake up every day, we go to, you know, shopping, we go online, we buy stuff, we think, ah, oh, things are pretty good, you know. We have no idea just how precarious uh, this economy is. And uh, my view, Randy, is when it happens, it won't be organic. It's not just going to be like the, the straw that breaks the camel's back. It will be by design. And when they're ready, when they're ready, they'll push a button and things will come uh, tumbling down. What do you think? I think that's probably right on the money. Um, you know, what brought us to the brink was our $1.7 trillion omnibus, omnibus bill that we had to pay for and the $100 billion that we have given to the Ukraine. That was not budgeted. That was not thought about. All of a sudden, we're to the brink. Well, the other countries in the world are noticing this, too. 23 countries have now sold off all of their U.S. debt all U.S. bonds, all U.S. dollars, they want nothing to do with us. They are putting their money in hard assets, such as real estate, buildings, apartments, something like that, and precious metals. 
Now, those include China, Japan, Brazil, India, Russia, South Africa, Saudi Arabia. The common market is doing the same thing. They're supposed to be our allies, right? Canada has done the same thing. Iran is adopting a cryptocurrency, so they have nothing to do with us. So it's all beginning to go very, very quickly. The, um, the amount of money we were talking when they divested themselves of the U.S. funds are trillions of dollars. Yeah. We're left with $31 trillion in debt, nobody to buy it. Yeah, and so, it's actually more than thirty-one trillion when you count about all the you know consider all the uh, unfunded liabilities and things like right. that. But, but you know, I'm going to go back to that statement. I don't want to pass over that too quickly. Twenty-three countries have essentially abandoned, uh, you know, the U.S. Uh, what'd you say? The investment in the U.S. bonds, right? Right. Yeah. Basically, That's our uh, petrodollar, our reserve currency, is going down the chute. Yeah, and that's happening without people even talking about it. And the countries you mentioned, those are huge. It's, it'd be like you know, if you if you have a a favorite restaurant that you go to regularly, you've gone to for years, and all of a sudden you start going there, and you realize the parking lots less full than usual, and the, there's not uh, very many people in there. You have no trouble getting a table. <clears throat> you go back a couple weeks later and there's hardly nobody in the restaurant only one or two cars in the parking lot and eventually you go to the restaurant you look around you're the only one there and you start to think i wonder what people know about this restaurant that i don't know is there something is there something going on that i i kind of missed the memo and i think that's what's happening uh people are fleeing uh you know the u.s in terms of its support and, and connection to the u.s what do they know that we don't well, uh, two, two little examples. Yesterday, my UPS man delivers some products to me. And usually the UPS guys are in a hurry. They're running back to their truck before they've even dropped and kicked the uh, <laughs> packages onto your deck. But this guy stopped and he said, please keep ordering. He said, we're facing layoffs. We have a business downturn. He said that there used to be two delivery drivers in Canyon City. There is now one. He said, usually in the morning, he stops, gets a bottle of pop or a, a bottle of water and a couple of candy bars. His candy bars went up in price from $1.69 last week to $3 a piece this week. I don't know where he lives, but he said he was in the grocery store buying eggs. And the person that was replacing the eggs said, within the next couple of weeks, those will be $1.15 per egg. Now, they're selling for 5 or $6 a dozen here. When they're up around, what, $13, $14 a dozen, I'm thinking eggs might not be on the menu anymore. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. I mean, I, again, these are all anecdotal pieces of data, but, uh, you know, we got we to gotta pay attention, keep our finger on the pulse, and run everything we, we hear through the grid of Scripture. And, and all I can say is it is absolutely possible that at any moment we could see uh, this utter collapse. And that's why we've talked about preparedness at Not But Works Ministries for years, for 15 years. We I've been speaking at preparedness uh, expos and conferences and tea party gatherings and freedom groups and really talking about the principle of Proverbs 22.3, that the wise person sees trouble coming and uh, prepares for it. So we're not predicting or saying setting dates here. We're just saying, hey, we're hearing from multiple precincts recording, and uh, the news is is troubling. 
Yes, the only good news, and some people will probably debate this with me, is that I think Mr. Biden is on his way out. I think his usefulness has come to an end. They're investigating him and his documents just as uh, thoroughly as they did Donald Trump, and we know where that was going. And I think that people need to know a couple other things about what you're told by the mainstream media. Mr. Biden has a house in Delaware. Uh, the rent in this area is $6,000 a month. It's a nice place. He hasn't been there in years. And, you know, the FBI is and Justice Department are concerned about secret documents being found there. You know, because somebody of ill repute could go, let a foreign source look at those documents, maybe for a favor or something like that, um, quid pro quo. And then I come to find out, who do you think rented that house? Well, his son, Hunter Biden, rented that house. And instead of $6,000 a month, he gave his father $50,000 a month. Now, when you look at Hunter Biden and his reputation, top secret documents being stored there, I get a little queasy because it's not tough to put this together. Yeah. That was put there for his use. God only knows who all these secrets went to, but I'm sure he made good use of all of them. Yeah, there's no yes. question that Biden is is in bed with China. Uh, now, I'm not, as as our listeners know all too well, and as I talk about in, in volume two of Spirit of the Antichrist, I'm no fan of Donald Trump because I believe the whole right-left paradigm is contrived and fake to begin with. It was orchestrated. Um, it was manufactured. It's not synthetic. I mean, it's not organic. So, uh, but it is very interesting to me, Randy, <clears throat> the way we see this playing out, because even both, you know, both sides of this fake right left paradigm that the left, as well as the right are really coming after Biden on this. And it seems like they're setting the stage for some type of major downfall of Biden. And I've said, you know, for, for since uh, Biden got elected, that we need to watch for when things you know begin to turn on him, because that tells me that the Luciferians, who are the ones really controlling, remember I've said Biden is a placeholder. He's not; he's just a puppet. They're all puppets. Trump was a puppet. Uh, I'm sorry that people, if people disagree with me on that, and I respect your view, but you need to do some research and check that out. He was very much a puppet. But anyway, uh, I've said when they start to you know turn on Biden, to me that tells me they're ready to move into the next phase, and I think. If the Lord doesn't come back before then, 2024 will be a very key uh, year in the advancement of the Luciferian agenda. Remember, I, as I talk about in my book, the Luciferian timetable uh, is the mid-2020s. That's what they've been talking about for 100 years as their target date to get across the finish line. And if they've got everything in place, and I'm not convinced they do just yet, but if they do by 2024 then uh, who they put in the office, because remember, we have selections, not elections, it's all fake, uh, will will tell us a lot. If they put another placeholder in there, well, that means they're still working. But if they put a full-on, you know, avowed Luciferian who's ready to kind of take the helm of this one world system, and I'm not talking necessarily about the Antichrist, because remember, the one world system can already be in place before the rapture, hypothetically, and, and the, it, the Antichrist doesn't take the helm of it until after the rapture. But if they put in a full-on Luciferian, man, it's uh, Katie bar the door. That tells us uh, that they, they think they're, they've got everything in place. 
Well, the politicians basically think they can do anything they want to. There are no repercussions. There will be no punishment. And that's like at the University of Penn, there is the Biden Center. Well, doing a little research, I find that the Chinese made a $30 million donation to that center on his behalf. Now, that's a lot of money, and I don't understand why stuff like this doesn't come up in the Main Street news. You have to dig for it, but once you, once you look into it, you see why I'm very um, questionable if Biden and China will ever get into it. I think that he's going to give them a pass if they make a move on Taiwan. Uh, we know that Hunter Biden had relationships with the Chinese, the Ukrainians, the Russians. I mean, we don't know how far it goes, but our place, I think, has already been determined. And I think that was even clearer when um, Yel uh, Yellen, our uh, Secretary of the Treasury, met with her Chinese counterpart before Davos. There were meetings all day. Nobody knows what was said. They're all behind closed doors. But, you know, supposedly China is our uh, adversary. But these two are getting together. So are they signing away Taiwan, deciding what they're going to do with computer chips? What are they going to do? They have a plan in mind. Unfortunately, we don't know about it. Now, as far as Davos goes, it concerns me when the head of the FBI goes and the head of the uh, National Security Agency is there. They're not politicians, they're not businessmen. Why are they there? Well, I think the reason they're there is because there's a lot of pushback against the globalists and Luciferians right now. It's making them nervous. I think they're anticipating um, some violence in the near future. And I think they want government agencies preparing for that. Since there are 5,000 uh, Swiss army surrounding Davos, as their uh, security, you know they fear the general public. They consider us as nothing but lowlifes that are there to support their lifestyle and work for them. But they understand that when you push too far, sometimes things happen, and they may very well happen. Very yeah, and, and let's not forget that this whole Luciferian conspiracy that is so clearly taught in Scripture and been documented for centuries uh, in you know in throughout the world is not monolithic. And by that I mean it's not like there's just one central person or team that is pulling the strings. They say jump, everyone else says how high. It is complicated. It is sometimes. Uh, you know, messy and, and you have, you know, divided interests and competing agendas. And so um, that things are really kind of unsettling right now, not just because we see the, the Luciferian uh, leaders advancing their agenda and getting closer and closer to this one world political, economic, and religious system, but also because there's infighting and there's, uh, there, there are things going on that, you know, could upset the apple cart. And all of a sudden, somebody makes a wrong move, somebody else gets mad, and things get out of hand. So I think there's tension even among the Luciferians who are trying to kind of hold their plan uh, together. And I think what you described as going on over there in Davos, that's uh, that's kind of an indication of it. Well, I think so, too. I mean, when we look at China continually buying gold at a rate no other country has ever used, they bought 390 tons of gold in December or um, November, 300 tons last month. They're buying all the gold. They can get a, a hold up. They don't care what the price is. They're also buying all of the fuel they can. Now, 
the price of fuel went up here from 385 to 439 in three days. That's what we're paying now. So we're headed right back to $5. OPEC is going to cut production by a million barrels. Now, that they're going to subtract a million barrels from us. The Chinese have already made a deal with them. They're going to get all they want. So they're sitting pretty. Here we are. We're sitting with prices going up. We're having food shortages. Food prices are going up. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. So they're putting a squeeze on us. They're going to go to a gold standard, I'm sure. And when the contracts with Russia, with the uh, oil and the gas expire in February, I am truly looking forward to them saying now, you want to have a $60 cap, that's okay, but you're going to pay us in gold. And the day that happens is the day we collapse because we can't do it. We have a fiat currency worth nothing. Uh, some of NATO is in right in there with us. And so the Russians are going to control exactly what's going on. And then we're going to look at Biden and go, wow, those sanctions really work. Thank you. <laughs> but it gets worse. Let's go into Davos for just a few seconds. And then we're going to go into the FDIC. All right. You're going to need some context to understand this unholy little um, trinity that they have going on. But we're going to go back to the days of Henry Kissinger with Mr. Nixon. We all remember the great opening to China, right? We're bringing China into the mainstream. We want to bring him into the world rather than them being an isolationist state. We want them to partake. It'll benefit everybody. Now, Nixon's at the forefront of that, but it was Henry Kissinger's idea. He's always liked the Chinese. <clears throat> He thought it was a great way to improve our economy, their economy, et cetera. Well, that's fine. Um, you know, he was Secretary's, Secretary of State for Nixon and Gerald Ford and also the uh, security advisor. Now, I never liked the guy. I never trusted him. And there are reasons why I find out. If we remember things with China, they were just pretty much business as usual until Chinagate under Bill Clinton in the 90s. Bill Clinton decided at that time that we should share our technology, share our weapons, share our manufacturing with China. That is what gave them a leg up, and that is why they became a competitor right away. Now, this was Kissinger's idea. He and the Clintons are as tight as two coats of paint. They love each other. They think the other can do no wrong. And so Kissinger took a, a, a big part in the Clinton administration, even though he was not in the administration. Well, let's go to Klaus Schwab for a second. Mr. Schwab's father was a um, Nazi, a big supplier of war material for Hitler. And Klaus Schwab has a lot of those same uh, ideals, thinkings, and what he believes in. Now, Klaus Schwab, basically his father said, we want you to be the best you can, and there's only one way you can do that. His father demanded that Klaus go to Harvard University. So Klaus went to Harvard University in 65 through 67. Now, amazingly enough, he joined a program that was being sponsored by the CIA. All right, so we're teaching him everything he's going to need to know to put the screws to us later, right? 
So he begins the World Economic Forum. <clears throat> and then he starts the young globalist leaders in the 90s. Well, Klaus Schwab is not elected, neither is Soros or any of the other ones in the World Economic Forum, but they are definitely uh, movers and shakers as far as the world economies are going. Well, Klaus Schwab goes on and on and on. And then we find out, I found out yesterday, who do you think Henry Kissinger's most famous protege is? It's Klaus Schwab. Henry Kissinger and the CIA taught him everything he knows. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I I actually cover this in volume two, chapter two of Spirit of the Antichrist. The, t the chapter title is Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. And, uh, and in that section, I have a, in that chapter, I have a section entitled A Shady Beginning. And I tell and explain the story of how Henry Kissinger and the CIA recruited Klaus Schwab at Harvard, and that was really the beginnings of what is now today the most powerful organization, uh, World Economic Forum, at the tip of the spear in the Luciferian uh, conspiracy. So Kissinger is you know, a longtime Luciferian. He's worked in American politics on both sides of the aisle for many people. Remember, it was Henry Kissinger who said, quote, America would be outraged if UN troops entered Los Angeles to restore order. Tomorrow, they will be grateful. This is especially true if they were told that there was something from beyond, whether real or promulgated, that threatened our very existence. It is then that all peoples of the world will plead for deliverance from this evil. The one thing every man fears is the unknown, and when presented with the unknown, individual rights will be willingly relinquished for the guarantee of well-being granted to them by the world government, end quote. That's Henry Kissinger. So, uh, yeah, this the connection between Kissinger and, uh, you know, Schwab is well-documented. Um, you know, Henry Kissinger told the New York Times uh, on October 28, 1973, famously, quote, the illegal we do immediately. The unconstitutional takes a little bit longer. End quote. I mean, this guy is this guy is uh, is definitely uh, you know uh, just a, a horrible horrible individual that has played a key role uh, in population control, the eugenics movement. Remember, he said, "quote," uh, and I talk about this depopulation agenda in chapter ten of volume one. But Kissinger said, quote, depopulation should be the highest priority of foreign policy towards the third world because the U.S. economy will require large and increasing amounts of minerals from them abroad, especially from these less developed countries. In other words, the natural resources of third world countries are far more valuable to the Luciferians than the people and the citizens themselves. So, yeah, this uh, tell, tell us more about this uh, meeting in Davos. What, what else are you hearing? Well, all of these meetings, when I watch some of them, there are very few in attendance at a lot of these meetings. And there are <clears throat> a huge amount of people at Davos. So I think that pretty much proves that everything that's important is taking place behind closed doors. I'm sure Kissinger, Soros, all of them are in there. You know, what are we going to do? How are we going to control this? We know there's going to be pushback. And I'm sorry, I had forgotten that I read that in your book, and I re-looked this up yesterday, so I did a lot of work for nothing. But yeah, no, no, that's fine. And <laughs> if I'd yeah, known that, I'd have just quoted that. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, but no, that's people, people can 
they can check that out at spiritoftheantichrist.org. That's where you can learn more about the books. But that's I talk extensively about the Kissinger uh, uh, connection with Klaus Schwab in Volume 2. But yeah, I mean, some of the meetings that are taking place right now, that this is ongoing uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week, are, you know, a lot of U.S. governors, uh, governors of U.S. states, including Republican governors, are over there meeting in one of the, you know, the sub uh, sort of seminars or breakout sessions. Uh, you've got industry leaders like Microsoft CEO, uh, uh, you know, I forget his name, but he's over there. You've got, uh, you know, Walmart CEO, you've got other big government officials, obviously world leaders and prime ministers and presidents and leaders from across the world. Drug companies, Pfizer's CEO uh, is predicting a decade of scientific renaissance. <laughs> I mean, if you can imagine, uh, you've got, uh, of course, lots of talk about Ukraine and how, uh, you know, the world needs to come together around Ukraine, just fomenting war uh, with uh you know, Russia, you've got financial world leaders and world banks and central banks from around the world, uh, automakers talking about climate control. Um, one of my guys that I frequently call out is Brian T. Moynihan, the chairman of Bank of America. And he's he's out there saying that the digital currency movement is here to stay. We better get ready for it. Uh, I mean, Randy, this is stuff that is major earth shattering things with world you know, impact, and most people are uh, asleep at the wheel. Well, that uh, no truer statement has ever been made, because Kissinger and um, Klaus, after they'd been talking for a while, at the end of the day yesterday, Henry Kissinger said, I think we need to bring the Ukraine into NATO. Now, what was the number one red line Putin said he would start a war over? if Ukraine joined NATO. So there are these people that want a war with Russia really bad. And I think they're, they're becoming more open. They're not even thinking about what they're saying anymore. And so I, I, think, a, I think a hot war with Russia is going to happen. You know, as I look at Russia and I look at the United States and NATO, NATO and the U.S. have 100,000 troops on the western edge of NATO. They're ready to move. You've got the Russians with 700,000 troops. This is not something we can win. So what, what happens when the Russians start moving and we start losing? Are we going to just throw up our hands, sue for peace, and say, you know, we lost? I don't think so. There are so many people so invested in that war and the way they wanted to come out. I think the United States might do something stupid and actually institute nuclear weapons. Yeah, and or a full-scale battle in the oceans. Yeah, and by the way, a couple of things that that I think back up what you just said. Um, first of all, going back to Davos, that uh, you know, uh, you know, group of American governors that participated in a panel yesterday at the World Economic Forum going on in Davos. Basically, what they are saying is that the U.S. federal government has stalled. And uh, I mean, these were leading governors, by the way, and included uh, a guy that I believe is the most evil man in America that most people have never heard of, uh, at least outside of Illinois. And that's J.B. Pritzker. Now, I talk about the Pritzker clan extensively in Chapter 13 of Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2. But Pritzker is just a 
you know, comes from a long, huge, deep, deep wealth, one of the wealthiest families in America. Um, and he's a player and he's there and they're, uh, you know, talking about how America, the federal government is struggling and these governors need to look to the World Economic Forum to help solve their problems because the American federal government is is has stalled, quote unquote. And so, I mean, that stuff should really. Uh, you know, concern you. And then, you know, also yesterday, I think we just said this, but Kissinger is uh, big time coming out in favor of Ukraine's uh, bid to, to join NATO. Now, what's interesting about that, and I heard this today, and it's from a source that I, that it's kind of hit or miss for me, so I don't know whether it's true or not, but have you heard anything about Poland annexing parts of Western Ukraine and the implications yes. being that if that's the case, then if Russia attacks any part of that territory, then technically they're attacking Poland, which means they've attacked NATO, which means that, you know, Ukraine or Poland, whoever can invoke, you know, some of those articles from NATO and demand that NATO countries defend them. What, what have you heard about Poland and Ukraine? Well, supposedly there are negotiations going on now. Russia wants eastern Ukraine and southern Ukraine. They don't want Western Ukraine for the simple reason they believe that Putin wants to go to the upper river, which is just to the east of Kiev. All right. He doesn't want any more of that country that he has to have. He needs that for the warm water ports. He wants that for all of their resources. And he's willing to stop there. Now, the Polish have always been of the mindset that Western Ukraine is basically Polish anyway. They don't speak Russian. And they think they could just move in there and annex it. Supposedly, some of the secret talks going on is basically Putin's armies will move and stop at the Yapa River, go south into Moldova, etc., like we've spoken about before. Poland would then move in and take over western Ukraine because more than likely the government in Kiev is going to run for their lives. Once the Russians get the hand, the upper hand, and they're moving. Zelensky and his boys are out of there. Poland has their military equipment. They have their soldiers right there. And they keep making comments about, we're going to move in to Western Ukraine. And everybody now is getting to be of the mindset that they want to carve out part of that for Poland. And so what you're hearing is probably right on the money. Hmm, and I think that uh, if we knew of all the... Um, little secret meetings going on, we'd have a better idea of what's going to happen. But yes, that um, that has a lot of credence, and that is definitely one of the things that's being thought of. And Colonel McGregor said a couple of days ago, he would anticipate that Poland takes over the Western Ukraine, just as you described. So that's something that could happen. Um, that would make it easy, because then the Russians would not have to worry about insurrectionist terrorists, etc., from Western Ukraine if they didn't want to take it. The Poles would move it in. They would be totally in control. You know, the insurrection, the guerrilla warfare against the Soviet Union would not occur. And let's face it, as a leader like Putin, who wants to fight guerrilla warfare like he learned in Afghanistan? It doesn't, it doesn't work. So I would imagine he's made a nice little deal there. Now, I also read this morning that we're getting so short on supplies for Mr. Zelensky that we have taken our ammunition stores out of Israel and we're moving them to the Ukraine. So that means we're not going to have anything left here for a battle. 
if we're taking stuff out of Israel that's been placed there for a future war, um, let's face it, the Patriot missiles, the HIMARS, everything else, these aren't something made an assembly line. These take months to work with a bunch of people working on them. So we're giving up the Bradley fighting vehicles. We're getting down to the place we couldn't fight a war against Mexico. Not that that would ever happen, but it shows the dire straits we're in. So if we're giving all of that away and the Russians are ready to move and the Poles are ready to move, we're going to find out very shortly just exactly where those boundaries are going to be. And I think between what you're hearing, what Colonel McGregor said, I think it starts and it ends just before they get to Kiev. Zelensky will be gone. He's either going to be taken out by his own soldiers or the Wagner group is going to handle that for them. So I think that is right on the money. And that's very concerning because I don't think the United States is thinking that far ahead. Yeah, we're we're just pawns in the game as well. Our leaders, uh, it's never about what it's about. So our leaders are kind of playing right into the hands of of the Luciferians. And, you know, we see all this circus sideshow stuff, you know, happening in, in Congress with the whole McCarthy speaker debate and all that. And people get so obsessed with that. They're they're watching it on all the different, you know, outlets, Fox News and so forth. You need to understand that is a complete distraction. It's a complete sideshow. It's complete theater. You know, while they're in the big circus tent, you know, really trying to bring down America and usher in the new world order. You know, all Americans are over here in this fake right left paradigm fighting about who's going to be the speaker. It's completely irrelevant. But uh, but let's move on. I want to talk in the time we have left about some of the news uh, coming out about uh, the covid vaccines. Uh, first of all, it was very encouraging to see that uh, statistics now show that vaccine hesitancy is at an all-time high. Uh, you know, as governments are trying to scare people into taking the vaccine, the you know, general public, thanks to you know, truth-telling organizations like Newt Not Works and of course many others that are much larger, people are waking up to that reality. Only 20% of all adults who had already gotten the booster at the time of this survey. Uh, actually, you know, only 20% of all adults had actually gotten the booster. So that's one in five. That means 80% of adults are saying no thank you to uh, these uh, boosters. Um, and, you know, childhood vaccines, almost three in 10 adults now think that parents should have the right not to vaccinate their children. And remember, they've been, you know, scaring families about childhood vaccines for decades, for, you know, since the early half of the 20th century. So the fact that now it's up 30% is huge. It used to be 16% in 2019. So it's almost doubled in uh, since COVID and because, you know, of all the, the dangers there. And then another thing that, again, this should be, widespread, you know, front page, second coming type, you know, headlines, but you're hearing nothing but crickets about it. And that is that the FAA has very quietly lowered the, you know, acceptable range, uh, or actually, I guess you should say increase the acceptable range of uh, results of EKGs. In other words, Pilots, of course, for their pilots, this is uh, commercial pilots have to meet a stringent health check and health standard to be able to fly. And uh, they don't want pilots having heart attacks while they're you know, flying 
300 passengers up at 30,000 feet. So they've always, you know, had them have to meet a very strict standard in their EKG results. Well, they just widened that, um, which is huge. I mean, this is, it's basically, you know, uh, this was uh, late last year and it's just now kind of leaking out, but it basically now accommodates pilots who have had any type of cardiac injury, um, in, in the past, if you had any record of any type of cardiac issues, you were, you know, eliminated as a potential pilot. You could not get the job. Well, now you can. Interesting, isn't it, Randy? I wonder why uh, they're doing that, especially, um, I mean, I think the answer is obvious, 50 million, and that's just conservative estimates, 50 million Americans who've taken the COVID vaccine have suffered some type of adverse heart effects like myocarditis. And you see people dropping like flies all over the place that are otherwise healthy um, because of, of these vaccines. So yeah, what's your take on all that? Well, I think it's obvious the COVID vaccine was exactly what we thought it was. It is not a vaccination for COVID. It is a way for them to um, place what they need in the future into the human body so that another part of the control and I believe, you know, we talked about graphene oxide. We talked about all of that. I think it's all coming to fruition. I think we're going to find that everybody vaccinated is going to have one problem or another. And, you know, when you're messing around with the body, stuff they've never known before, didn't know what to do Pat with it. Has been making it makes you wonder what else did they do to us at the same time? Did they put that in the water? Did they put it in food? Do we have some of that in us? But I think with the deaths of the young people, now with the pilots having their parameters changed, I it's obvious they've done something. They're even starting to admit it. Yeah. And, you know, I taught we don't want to rehash all this because we've talked about it extensively. I have and you have as well over the last couple of years. But if you go to volume one of Spirit of the Antichrist, and again, you can check this out at spiritoftheantichrist.org, spiritoftheantichrist.org. But in volume one, I have, you know, 50 pages uh, in chapter nine, all about the vaccine and that it's not about a quote vaccine. It's not even a vaccine. It's a gene altering bioinjection that was weaponized and intended uh, to call uh, people off the earth and to weaken this had multi multiple agendas behind it uh, remember the luciferians uh want to kill people satan is a murderer from the beginning jesus said and his earthly accomplices are out there trying to kill people and if you don't think the u.s government would ever harm its own uh, citizens then i encourage you to check out in volume one uh the uh the section that i have that's all about uh you know, uh, depopulation, you know, these types of issues. And I give several examples, dozens of examples in chapter 10 of volume one of how, uh, you know, the United States government in the past has in fact knowingly, intentionally with forethought and malice done experiments intended to kill thousands of American citizens. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, that's another reason I really, really believe we're getting closer and closer to the rapture. Again, we're not setting dates here. We're just looking at the signs of the times. And, you know, they are they are putting all of their final pieces in play. And again, doesn't mean it's going to happen because the Lord's the ultimate arbiter of the timetable. But if they have their way, they're ready. And, and Randy, one last thing on the vaccines, I just want to say, I can't help but bring it up. And that is that way back in the beginning, when I was out there, you know, sounding the alarm about all of this, uh, 
before I'd even written volume one of Spirit of the Antichrist. It was the reason I got banned and canceled from YouTube. You know, we still have a presence on YouTube. All of our archived videos, a lot of them, over 2,000 videos are there. But we haven't been able to post anything new on video for over two years because they canceled me right away when I was, you know, you know, talking about masks and the vaccine and all of that. Um, but way back then, I mentioned that a lot of the experts, you know, the scientists, the physicians, uh, you know, the, the good guys that actually have the credentials behind their name. And there were thousands of them all across the world. I've got I've cited them in, in volume one. Uh, we're sounding the alarm saying, look, you know, you may you may take the vaccine now and think, oh, I bet, OK, a little bit of side effects, but I'm pretty much OK. But give it time that within one, two, maybe three, five years, we're going to see more and more deaths. Uh, it's almost like a time release type capsule. And so I believe what we're witnessing in the last few months is the beginning of that. And uh, so I think people need to be aware. And if you've taken the vaccine, there are plenty of great resources out there uh, that deal with vaccine remorse and the types of things you can do. Uh, but whatever you do, don't take any boosters and when they get ready to roll out the next gene-altering bioinjection and make us all, you know, guinea pigs in the in their in their uh, evil laboratory, don't take it. No matter how much fear they use, don't take it. There are fates worse than death. The only thing I'd like to add, and this is on a different subject, is the FDIC held secret meetings last November. In those meetings, they were discussing the coming currency crisis, the coming depression, everything else. They decided that the American public is too dumb to understand it. That's basically what they said. So what they said, they're going to roll out either a bank holiday, uh, say there's been a uh, cyber warfare incident or whatever, but they're going to change the currency. What they're going to do is on a Friday afternoon, they're going to announce whatever the scenario is. There'll be a bank holiday because they have 1.5% in reserve of all of the money in the bank. So if there's a bank run, we're done. They're mm -hmm. trying to prevent that. So anticipate it sometime between now and the end of the year. We don't know when, but we know it's coming. And if all of a sudden you can't get to the ATM, you know things are in progress then. Yeah, and on the subject of the bank holidays, and especially the idea of it happening on a Friday, <clears throat> it, I find it fascinating that there was an X-Files episode um, you can find a, clips of it uh, on the various uh, media video outlets like BitChute and probably still on YouTube. I'm not sure, but in which they did predictive programming. And I talk about this notion of, you know, predictive programming in my books where they tell you what they're going to do before uh, they do it. And uh, and it's just amazing how many things uh, are out there. People are stunned that, you know, you see stuff being predicted months and in some cases years ahead of time through Hollywood. And in this particular uh, X-Files episode, they talk about disabling the immune system through a vaccine that tampers with your genes. In the, in the episode, it's uh, talking about the smallpox vaccine. But in it, they talk about a secret cabal that's really ruling the world that wants to depopulate the earth and bring everyone under their control. And they talk about how they're going to do it by bringing down the U.S. economy through a bank holiday on a Friday. I mean, it's just this is stuff you can't make up. And, you know, art, when it comes to the Luciferians, imitates life because Hollywood is the is a key 
beachhead for Satanism and the, uh, the, you know, the Luciferian agenda. It's been in their pocket from the beginning. I mean, I've seen some frightening stuff out there, even from groups, well, especially from groups like Disney and others that most uh, people think is just an innocent company. I mean, they're at the tip of the spear. But, uh, you know, that's why they named it Hollywood, by the way, because the holly tree, uh, witches would use branches and twigs from the holly tree to to, to do their incantation. So uh, anyway, yeah, that, I thought that was fascinating that, you know, if you watch that, um, that uh, you know, video clip from the X-Files, it's just like snatched from the headlines. But um, any closing thoughts? So we've covered a lot of ground today, uh, Randy, but uh, before I wrap up, I want to see if you had any other closing thoughts. My thoughts would be it is time for the American public to start taking care of themselves, as we discussed yesterday. They need to be be preparing with food, water, all of the necessities they're going to need. They need to have cash. They need to divest their, if you're into cash, as you think that's going to be around forever, you better start thinking about other things because the time is coming, and it could be any day when this is put into place. So start thinking about your family. Start thinking about what you're needing. Go on your website and print off your list of prepping items. Yeah, That is the most comprehensive list I've ever seen. Well, thanks, Randy. And yeah, it's actually not posted on our website. Uh, that's not a bad idea. I'm not sure where I would post it exactly, but that people can email me. Uh, okay. through our website and I'll send it to them. We've we've had literally um, hundreds, uh, not exaggerating, over the last year of requests for that because whenever we mention it, people say, hey, I'd like to get a copy. But yeah, it's just our uh, summary of some of the things to consider when prepping, some of the items to consider, some of the scenarios to consider, uh, you know, food, supplies, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, if they'll just email me through our website, we'll make sure and get that uh, to them. Um, so yeah, I just, uh, let me, let me return where we started. We're called out of darkness into the light. And I understand these are, you know, difficult things to talk about. And some people might not want to hear it. They might want to stick their head in the sand, but I agree with what you said a moment ago, as you closed out. And that is, it's time for people to heed the admonition of scripture and be prepared. And, you know, so many people, especially conservative Christians, focus all their time and energy on trying to fix America as if we can just elect more Republicans and everything will be okay. Listen, this country is gone. I'm sorry to say it. I come from a long line of patriots and military servicemen uh, and women, uh, father, uh, grandfather, father, both sides, family. Uh, you know, we are, there's no one more proud of, of this country than me. But the reality is, you know, the, the country has already crashed through the guardrail and is hurtling through the air, and you can't bring it back. You can't stop it from hitting the ground. And so I think it's time for people to invest that energy in their own personal preparedness, because if the Lord tarries is coming, we are going to be uh, faced with, uh, you know, how to feed our families, how to provide shelter for our families, how to fly under the radar. And, you know, as I talk about in, I think it's chapter 12 of volume two, the chapter on persecution, you know, persecution is increasing. And so, you know, we need to steel ourselves and be prepared for what might be happening in terms of, you know, Christian persecution uh, and the rise of anti-Christian sentiment in this country. Again, if the Lord uh, tarries is coming. But uh, in this dark world, we need to remember uh, that we are a chosen uh, generation and a chosen people. And uh, 
Doesn't mean we've replaced Israel. God still has a plan for national Israel. That couldn't be more clear if you read Romans 9 through 11, and really the whole of whole of Scripture about God's kingdom program for Israel. But as believers in this present age, we are God's special people, and He has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. And we need to remember that, you know, we are not in darkness so that this day should overtake us as a thief. We are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. So thanks for listening uh, today. Remember, uh, if you don't know the Lord Jesus, if you stumbled upon this podcast, maybe someone forwarded it to you. Uh, today's the day of salvation. The Bible says more than 160 times the only way that anyone can have eternal life and be saved eternally is by trusting in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died and rose again for your sins. Is that who you're trusting today? Have you placed your faith in Jesus as the only one who can save you? That's priority number one and step number one. And if you have, if you've already trusted Christ, then stay in the Word. Stay connected to Bible teaching ministries like Not By Works, and stay connected to your local church that's teaching the Bible, if you can find one these days. And uh, let us know how we can help. Stay tuned. Don't forget uh, our live stream tonight, again, uh, Wednesday, January the 18th at 6 uh, p.m. Mountain Time, as we... Uh, as we'll be live streaming, and I'll be talking about the greatness of God. So tune in tonight. Until then, God bless everyone, and uh, have a great rest of the week.